Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do cover the Green Bay Packers, but we don't cover anything else. Let's go. All right, hello and welcome back two dedicated Packers. It is Sunday, February 25th, and today we are going over the Green Bay Packers' five biggest positional needs. Which five positions do they need to add talent to the most? We're going to jump into into that, and the reason is because we're getting very quickly to the point of the offseason where the Packers have to start adding talent we're heading into March. The combine is just two days away. It's going to last uh, for a week, just over a week, I believe, in Indy. So we're going to get a bunch of measurements there, which are going to help us figure out what players we like in the draft. That's obviously a place for Green Bay to add talent. And then in March, there's free agency, and the Packers will hopefully not be adding players in the first or second wave of free agency because those players will get a lot of money. But Later on, we'd like to see the Packers add maybe a couple of guys, add some depth to their roster. So we're going to jump into which five positions they most need to add players at. First, though, real quick bit of news I want to go over. The 2024 NFL salary cap was announced, and it was raised to $255.4 million. That's over a $30 million increase from last season, over a 13% increase, setting records for the, the most the salary cap has ever jumped. And at this point, the league is well out of its COVID era where the salary cap was deflated and the cap is booming. So what does that mean? Well, for Green Bay, it means two things. First of all, they're going to have more room on the books, definitely more room than they did last year and more room than we expected because they are not going to be under the cap. They're going to be, oh, I'm going to say not well, but decently over the cap. And they're going to have room to maneuver. They're going to have a bunch of flexibility. That's awesome. As far as how it's going to translate to, to free agent signings, this doesn't mean that Green Bay can go out and grab a top free agent and pay them massive amounts of money. Because first of all, every other team had the same increase. Every other team got those extra $30 million. So whichever team was going to go outbid the Packers by $10 million, they're still going to outbid the Packers by $10 million. And not only that, but agents know that teams are going to be willing to pay more. So free agent prices are just going to go up. None of that's none of that is going to, or none of the change in the salary cap is going to affect what kind of top-tier free agents the Packers get, because they're not going to get a top-tier free agent, and they they shouldn't. The best teams don't spend a bunch of money on top-tier free agents, but this this increase in salary cap, I just wanted to make it clear, is not going to have an effect on that. It does, however, mean that Green Bay can likely make more smaller free agent moves. They can sign a couple more free agents on cheaper deals, and they don't have to worry. Maybe we get an extra cornerback signed maybe we get an extra linebacker signed because you know maybe those maybe those guys would have been making two million last year well or with the previous salary cap well now they're 
salary is going to be inflated by a percent, but instead of it going from 20 million to 25 million, the 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 contracts of the guys the Packers might be signing are going from 2 million to 2.5 million. So, Packers can probably sign a couple more cheaper free agents. We're not getting any sort of top-tier free agent, but more room, more flexibility. That's all nice. And as we look at the Jordan Love extension, the increase in salary cap probably means Jordan's only going to get more money. So he deserves it. Can't can't wait for for them to to lock him down. Now, with that out of the way, let's jump into which of the five positions or what the five positions that the Green Bay Packers most need to add, add talent to are. So we're going to start at number five, and that is edge rusher. The Packers need to add talent to their edge rusher spot because edge rusher is a it's a rotational position, meaning while there are only two or so edge rushers on the field at any given time, the best teams the best defenses are four or five deep at edge. They have four or five good edge rushers. And on Green Bay's 53, they like to keep right around five to six edge rushers. So as we look at who the Packers are going to keep on the 53 next year, they're aiming for five or six. Right now, we can lock in four of those spots. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness, and Bretton Cox Jr. Kingsley Inagbari is on the IR, or will be on the PUP list, not the IR, the PUP list to start next season and be on there for much of the season. So as we go into next year, there's only four of those five or six spots locked in. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Van Ness, and Bretton Cox Jr. On the practice squad, I I don't think we have to worry too much about that. I'd expect them to keep Keyshawn Banks, Aaron Mosby, a couple other bodies from undrafted free agency, maybe Kenneth Odomegwu, depending on the situation with him, but they, they're going to need to add one or two viable 53-man pieces to fill in the remaining spots for their 53-man roster. So, how are they going to add players? The first way is free agency, and every time I ask throughout this episode, how are they going to add players at X position, the first option is always free agency, because that's where you can sign players that we know are NFL-caliber starters. But I'm not expecting them to go out and sign any sort of edge rusher, big edge rusher in free agency, because if they have to spend money on an edge rusher that is, you know, the fourth or fifth guy in the depth chart behind Rashawn Gary, behind Preston Smith, probably behind Van Ness, maybe right around the Brenton Cox Jr. level, then they're spending, what, $5 million on a player that is is not that good. Brenton Cox Jr., for all the flashes that he showed, is not that good. So if you're signing a player that is around his caliber and you're paying him $5 million, that is not worth it. So how do I expect them to add the other piece or the other two pieces for the 53-man roster? It's the draft. This is the big, is the other big area for Green Bay to add pieces. They have five picks inside the top 100. I think one of those picks has a good chance of going to an edge rusher. And it doesn't matter whether that's a first-round pick, second-round pick, third-round pick. There are plenty of opportunities that Green Bay will have within those first five picks to add really promising, potentially reliable young players. So who will they grab? I'm not sure. We will talk about potential edge rushers throughout the the remaining two months, really, until the draft. So actually almost exactly two months until the draft. So we'll we'll get into 
you know, edge rushers from the first round to the third round. We'll talk about all of that, but the big thing to keep in mind, they need another body or two that are another body or two at edge, but those guys have to be probably ideally better than Bretton Cox Jr. They don't have to be quite as good as Lucas Van Ness, but they do have to be better than Bretton Cox Jr. And I think the way they get those guys is through the draft, round three, round two, maybe round four, maybe round one. We'll just have to see. But I think that is how they add pieces at edge. Again, they need one or two one or two more bodies there. Next position, linebacker. The Packers also need to add depth at the linebacker spot because Devondre is technically under contract, but there's a good chance they want to release him for cap space. Another guy that was on their 53 last year at a linebacker, Eric Wilson, he's a free agent. I think undoubtedly they'll try to get him back, and he's not going to cost much money, but he is a free agent, so you can't necessarily lock him in. And Green Bay, on their 53-man roster generally, likes to keep four to five linebackers. It'll probably be more like four this year, considering the lack of depth they have at that spot right now, but four to five linebackers. So how do you get those guys? Right now, we can only lock in two of those spots. We can lock in Quay Walker and Isaiah McDuffie on the 53. No questions asked. But now you're still missing two or three bodies there. And maybe Devondre is one of those bodies. So let's just say they need two bodies, but that's still two bodies that they need to add. And, and one of those bodies has to be capable of playing alongside Quay because I don't trust Devondre there, even if he's even if he is back, and I'm not convinced that he will be. And while I love Isaiah McDuffie, I don't trust him to go out there and play solid NFL caliber linebacker for 800 snaps. So they're going to need another two bodies, one of which can play alongside Quay. How do you get those guys? Number one is free agency. Number one is free agency again. It's always an option. I think if they want to bring Eric Wilson back, which they should do because he's a great contributor on special teams and he doesn't look awful when he when he's in there in the game. Then then I think free agency is a, is a great option, a great path for them to bring Wilson back. I think if they want to add a different linebacker that'll be mainly a special teams contributor, they can also do that through free agency. They can sign a guy for a million dollars or so, but they're not going to splurge on any big guy. No linebacker that they bring in in free agency is going to be the linebacker that ends up playing alongside Quay next season. That is not how this is going to work. Chances are they don't. I mean, there's a slight chance maybe they hit on gold again like they did with Devondre Campbell back in 2021. You can't bet on that. You definitely cannot bet on that. So sure, maybe they add a one linebacker body in free agency. So now you have Eric Wilson back, but you still need that second backer to play alongside Quay, that second body in the linebacker room. How do they add that guy? The draft. 100% the draft. I would expect that one of their top 100 picks is a linebacker. We'll discuss which guys specifically they could draft at linebacker, just like we're going to do with Edge, just like we're going to do with all of the remaining positions that I'm going to discuss and plenty more positions. But they're going to need to add a top piece. And generally, the way to, to, the way to add top tier talent without paying a crap ton of money is through the draft. That's what they're going to do. So linebacker, they need two more bodies. One probably will come in free agency for cheap, and one's probably going to have to come in the draft. And that's the guy they're going to be betting on. Next position, offensive line. The offensive line is, is more than likely always going to be on this list because depth at the offensive line is always important, and it's, and it's relatively difficult to, to come by because there are so many 
spots. There are so many spots along the offensive line. And as a result, it's very difficult to have enough players at that position to be able to say, yeah, we feel really good about not only our starters, but our depth pieces. Because let's say you have five starters along the offensive line. That's great. But now you still probably need another three or four pieces that you feel really good about behind that. And that is really, really difficult to do in the modern NFL. And so while we can look at the Packers offensive line going into 2024 and say, yeah, I feel good about the starters there, relatively good. I think they have two phenomenal players in Zach Tom, I think, and, and Elton Jenkins. I think they have three viable starters in Rashid Walker, Josh Myers, and Sean Ryan. But what if those guys gets injured? Inevitably, one of those guys will get injured. What do you do then? And by the way, we can't even totally lock in Rasheed Walker, Josh Myers, and Sean Ryan as awesome starters in the league. I think Rasheed will be good. We don't know that for sure, though. He had a great stretch of play for the last seven or eight weeks of the of the season, but that's only seven or eight weeks. Josh Myers had a really good stretch in the middle of this past season, but kind of fell off towards the end of the season. And Sean Ryan, the more extended snaps he got, the worse he looked in pass protection. So we really don't know exactly what this offensive line is going to look like. And even if we did, there is no depth. There is absolutely no depth. Because, and that is the biggest concern, David Bakhtiari's future is uncertain. Royce Newman sucks. John Rennie Jr. is going to be a free agent and is likely to leave because he's going to get paid, as we talked about last episode. Josh Nyman's sort of in the same boat. So that means your biggest depth pieces are Caleb Jones, Luke Tenuta, and to a degree, Kadeem Telfert. But then there's nothing else. And by the way, none of those guys have really seen any regular season action. Kadeem Telfert has only been a practice squad player for one year for Green Bay. They need more players. They need a lot more players. They need more depth at guard. They need more depth at center. They need even more at, at tackle because I'm not totally sure you can trust Caleb Jones, who has never had any regular season action. Luke Tenuta, who's also never had any regular season action and just came off of a seat or is just coming off of his season ending ankle injury. And then Kadeem Telford, who was just a rookie, never seen any regular season action either. So what do I propose? How do I propose they go about fixing this? Well, let's look at this as we look as we've looked at the other positions. Let's look at this logically. The Packers tend to keep on their 53 man roster 9 to 11 offensive linemen. We can already lock in five of those, Rasheed Walker, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, Sean Ryan, and Zach Tom. That's great. You've got five there. But that's still, what, six? Six more guys they need to add? You can probably add in another two in Caleb Jones and Luke Tenuta. Both of those guys are pretty damn likely to make it as depth pieces at tackle. So that's now seven. But you're still missing two to four bodies along that line. So let's let's do an average there. Say they need to add three more pieces along the offensive line. They need to add three more pieces along the offensive line, three more pieces, not just that are undrafted free agents, but three more pieces that you can put on the 53-man roster and say, we feel confident about you guys competing for starting spots at, say, right guard and center and potentially left tackle. And if you guys lose those spots, we feel good about you guys backing up at center right guard, left guard, right tackle, left tackle. And how are they going to do that? 
They're going to do it the same way we've talked about them adding guys at every other position. It's not going to be through free agency. Maybe they sign one lineman here or there, maybe. But don't count on it. They are going to have to add guys through the draft. And Goody is probably going to have somewhere around 10, 11, maybe even 12 picks in this upcoming draft. I fully, more than fully, expect them to draft two to three offensive linemen to fill those extra 53 spots. They'll take a combination of tackles and interior linemen, and they will look to bring those guys in as competition. Competition for Myers, competition for Ryan. Hell, even competition for Rashid. More competition is always better. And I think that's exactly what they're going to do. And that's what they have to do along the offensive line. They have to bring in pieces from this draft and pieces that they feel good about competing. Whether it's a first round pick, maybe they maybe they get Fuaga, who we'll talk about in our prospect profiles. Maybe they spend a second round pick. Maybe they spend a third round pick. Maybe they spend two fourth round picks and a fifth round pick. Maybe they spend one first round pick, one fourth round pick, and a seventh round pick. I don't care how they divvy it up. But they have to find a way to bring in two to three offensive linemen in the draft that they feel good about bringing in to compete and potentially play and start the season again. There's going to be competition for everybody, Sean Ryan, except for Zach Tom and Elton. Sean Ryan's going to have to compete. Rashid's going to have to compete. Josh Myers is going to have to compete. And then whoever wins, they're going to be starting. And the Green Bay Packers will start their best five offensive linemen. The people who don't win, if the guys they bring in in the draft don't win those spots, then they'll sit, they'll develop, and that's what Green Bay does so well. But they didn't draft any linemen last year, Green Bay didn't, and now it's time that they have to, it's time that they get back to drafting and developing linemen, draft two to three guys in this upcoming class, feel good about it, and go develop your pieces. That's what I want to see Green Bay do. All right, moving on to our next position. The running back spot. And Green Bay, just like with all the other positions that we've discussed, Green Bay needs to add talent to the running back room because they are, they have a couple of empty spots there. Every year, they like to keep right around three running backs, sometimes two, but sometimes three running backs on the 53 man roster and then an extra one or two on the practice squad. So, assuming that the that the practice squad sorts itself out. We'll say, you know, Patrick Taylor, maybe some other undrafted free agent make the practice squad. They still need three backs on the 53-man roster. Now, who's that going to be? We can obviously lock Aaron Jones in. That's obvious. Brian Gudikin said he's going to be back. So we can lock Aaron Jones into that spot or one of those spots. And then if I had to guess, I would say Emmanuel Wilson makes it too. But that still means they need one more running back. And that one running back has to be pretty freaking good because Emmanuel Wilson is a good third string running back, but he should not be a second string running back. Now maybe he takes a jump. That all has to has to play out, but as of right now and as of what we know right now, the Packers basically need to add a second string running back. And how do they add that? How do they add that dynamic second string caliber running back? I would be shocked. If they did it through free agency, I don't expect A.J. Dillon to be back. And so basically any avenue to them adding a running back has to come through the draft because the, the only way they would ever spend money on a free agent running back is if they brought A.J. Dillon back. I wouldn't expect them to do that. So Green Bay has to be taking a running back. And I would guess 
they'll take a third round running back or so. If I had to, if there is one thing I feel relatively confident about, it is that third round Green Bay Packers are going to take a running back. I don't know for sure who they're going to take round one. Could be a corner, and we'll talk about that in a second. Could be an edge rusher. Could be a linebacker. Could be a wide receiver. Could be an offensive lineman. I don't know. Second round, kind of the, kind of the same boat. So that's, that's those are their first three picks. I don't know who they're going to take. They have one first round pick, two second round, or two second round picks. Their first three picks, any number of positions, I wouldn't be surprised. Again, line, offensive line, edge, cornerback, raw wide receiver. Nothing would surprise me there. But in the third round, if there's one thing that I'm confident in, it's that Green Bay is going to take a running back there. You, you, if you, you brought me to a betting site and said, pick one round and what position Green Bay is going to draft in that round. I would say third round and a running back because I think there will be a lot of good running backs available in the third round. And I think that if they take one, then you can feel pretty confident about whoever they take sliding into that second round or second running back role, second string running back role. But it's not worth taking a running back earlier and taking one later. It gets a little bit risky. So I do expect them to get a running back, and I think they need to get a running back. Now, they clearly don't need as many running backs as they do other position. Example, offensive line. They need a lot more linemen. You know, they need three three or four linemen, and they only need one running back. But it is absolutely crucial that they get that running back because he's going to be backing up Aaron Jones, and he's going to be getting plenty of carries. So running back, that's the that's the, that's the... Really second most important position on my list. We've already talked about edge, linebacker, offensive line, now running back. But then what's the most important position? The most important position is defensive back. And I went general here because I think there are a couple of different defensive back spots that they need to add at, but those spots kind of overlap. So in general, when you talk about defensive backs, you're talking about cornerbacks and safeties. But there are your standard outside cornerbacks, and then there are your nickel cornerbacks, the guys that play inside. And those nickel cornerbacks tend to overlap quite a bit with the safety spot. So we're going to go through first outside cornerback, then nickel cornerback, and then safety, sort of as a subsection of the defensive back spot. So let's first look at really the least needy of those three positions, the outside cornerback spot. The Packers, they like to keep right around four cornerbacks on the active roster. One of those is sometimes a slot guy. I'd say they like to keep five cornerbacks, one of which is a slot guy. So they like to keep right around four outside cornerbacks. Right now, we can more or less lock in three guys there. Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Carrington Valentine. But... That still leaves room for one more cornerback, and that might be Corey Ballantyne, who they they can bring back in free agency, or it might have to be some other guy, but right now, they do need to somehow fill that extra, extra spot, and I don't know how they'll do it. Could be through the draft, could be through free agency where they sign a guy. They do need to bring in one more outside cornerback that is at 53-man roster caliber. Then. As we move inside, we're talking about the nickel slash slot cornerback. And last year, 
the only real down-to-down slot cornerback on the roster was Keyshawn Nixon, and he's now a free agent. And even if he weren't, I wouldn't be too comfortable with the slot cornerback spot because Keyshawn is not in the top tier or, hell, even the second tier of slot cornerbacks in the NFL. Green Bay needs to improve at the slot cornerback spot badly. And realistically, they only need one player there. You you kind of only need one real legitimate slot cornerback. Now, if that guy goes down, you do have some problems, but it's so difficult just to get one slot cornerback. No team really even thinks about having a second guy. But you do need a good slot cornerback. And unfortunately, those, I'm not going to say good slot cornerbacks are a rare breed in the NFL, but great slot cornerbacks certainly are. And yet still, they're so important because for those who don't know, slot cornerbacks, just so, yeah, just so we make it very clear, slot cornerbacks are cornerbacks that play inside closer to the ball. So the outside cornerbacks, they line out, they line up outside near the numbers where the receivers closest to the sideline are. Then there are the slot cornerbacks who cover receivers or tight ends or hell, sometimes even running backs in the slot close to the line of scrimmage. And those guys are so important because they really have to do everything on defense. And opposing offenses' plans often start with finding ways to expose the opponent's slot cornerback. So if your slot cornerback is, let's say, Jair, who's great in coverage but a poor tackler, what is the, what is the opposing team going to do? They're going to run the ball right at your slot cornerback and force him to make plays in the run game and make tackles. If you can't do that, you're in trouble because the team's just going to keep running at him and keep wearing down your slot cornerback. Maybe you have a safety in the slot cornerback spot who's a great tackler but is poor in coverage. Well, what's the opposing offense going to do? They're going to move their best receiver inside. The best receivers tend to be able to play inside, whether that's Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, Brandon Ayuk, CeeDee Lamb, Christian Watson can play inside, Jaden Reed can play inside, whoever. They're going to bring their best receivers inside and say, great. Your slot corner can tackle. Can he cover? No. And they're going to let their receiver cook the slot cornerback, and the offense is going to generate big plays there. Keyshawn Nixon isn't particularly good at tackling. He's certainly not great in coverage. So Green Bay really needs to improve at the slot cornerback spot. And again, they only really need one guy, but they need that guy. They really, really need that guy. And preferably, they're going to get that guy early on in the draft, that's why Cooper DeGene is a player that's commonly mocked to Green Bay. By the way, we'll talk about him during our prospect profiles. And, you know, speaking of, of pro- prospect profiles, I do want to say that those will be coming out starting right around March 1st. Really, the thing we need to do to be able to produce them is get all of the RAS numbers from the Combine, because as soon as we have those RAS numbers, I can start talking fully about all the prospects that you know, I've started breaking down, talk about them with their athletic scores, how they're going to fit with Green Bay. So those will come out once we start getting those measurements, and then they'll keep going all the way until draft time. So really looking forward to that. But back to the slot cornerback topic, Cooper DeGene is a player that's commonly mocked to Green Bay, and I would love that because he is a guy that can fill in that slot role. He can do a bunch of different things. He's a freak athlete. That would be awesome. But they do need to add a lot of not a lot of talent in terms of multiple players, but a player, a single player 
with a lot of talent to that slot cornerback spot. That's not going to happen through free agency. It's going to be way too expensive to do it through free agency. Now, maybe they re-sign Keyshawn Nixon on a cheap deal, but he cannot be the, the slot cornerback plan next year. That, that is never going to work. So they need to bring in a really talented guy there. I expect them to do that through the draft. We're just going to have to see how it plays out. But that's kind of what we're looking at from a slot cornerback spot. And then that takes us to the biggest component of the defensive back spot that they really, really, really need to add talent to. And that is the safety position. Because Green Bay, they like to keep right around five safeties on the on the active roster, on the 53-man roster. Right now, I would guess only two of those spots are filled. Anthony Johnson Jr. and Zane Anderson. But here's the thing. Let's say, just for, for argument's sake, that those two are filling those five spots. They're filling the back two of those five spots. Nobody's saying Anthony Johnson Jr. and Zane Anderson are your safety one and safety two. No. Those guys are your safety four and safety five. So who are your safeties one, two, and three? Well, last year it was Darnell Savage, Jonathan Owens, and Rudy Ford. First of all, they weren't very good. Second of all, those guys are all free agents. So that is now three spots that Green Bay has to fill, and not only three spots, but the top three spots at the safety position that Green Bay has to fill. How are they going to do that? I've said, you know, free agency, maybe they sign a guy here, maybe they sign a guy there. Safety is really the spot where I think they have to sign uh, a free agent because whether that's re-signing Darnell Savage, re-signing Jonathan Owens, signing some other guy, you cannot have three spots at the safety position empty and expect to fill them all in the draft. So they have to sign at least one in free agency. Right now, I would put money on that guy being Darnell Savage, but who knows? It could also be a different, different free agent safety. We'll just have to see. I do expect them to sign one safety there in free agency, and then the other two spots... They're going to come, in my mind, through the draft. And I would be, if they don't draft at least one safety in this upcoming draft, I would be absolutely floored. I'd expect them to draft, honestly, at least two. And that becomes especially true when we look at the fact that both the slot cornerback spot and safety spot are relatively similar. They're, they're, they're near interchangeable in terms of a lot of players can do both. For example, Cooper DeGene, if they were to draft him, and I would love that again, but if they were to draft him, he would definitely fill the slot cornerback role, but he could probably also kind of fill the safety need. I think if they drafted Cooper DeGene, you'd say, great, they've got the slot cornerback, and they've got a guy that can rotate in there and play safety at times. So, they're going to need to draft a bunch of safeties. I expect them to draft a bunch of safeties, right? Two safeties. I, that, if you had said, how many how many safeties are they, they going to draft? I'd say two right now. Could be three. We'll just have to see. But they're going to need to add a bunch of bodies at safety. And hopefully they're going to need to add a bunch of good bodies at safety. Because the bodies last year weren't great. Savage, Owens, and Rudy Ford, not great. And by the way, you can survive in Joe Barry's system not having great safeties. Because he plays a bunch of, of soft-shell defense. You're not getting tested over the top too much. In Jeff Halfley's system, you probably need much better safeties. So they're going to really need to add talent to that safety spot. That's what I have. All right, let me just really quickly recap the defensive back spot because that was a lot of talking about one position. In summary, they need 
right around five more defensive backs. They probably need one more outside cornerback, which you can probably sign through free agency. They need one more good slot cornerback, which I, I fully expect them to, to get through the draft. And then they probably need right around three more safeties. So again, that's around five more defensive backs, potentially four if they draft someone capable of playing both slot cornerback and safety. But it's a whole lot of defensive backs that they need. Again, some can be addressed in free agency. Outside cornerback, maybe they re-sign Ballantyne. Good, boom. Got that done and dusted. Probably they'll also sign a, a, free, a free agent safety. But also got to draft some guys, right? Probably almost certainly going to have to draft a slot corner. Going to have to draft another safety or two alongside that slot corner. There's a lot of needs at that, at that defensive back spot. That's what I have. Those are my five positions. Edge rusher, linebacker, offensive line, running back, and defensive back. So let's just recap all of it together. Look at how many 53-man roster caliber players they need to add among those five positions. So at edge, I said they need to add two players. Two players of 53-man roster caliber to fill out the roster in addition to Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Van Ness, and Brenton Cox Jr. At linebacker, I also said they need to add two 53-man roster caliber players to fill out your depth chart of Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie, and then two more guys. At offensive line, I said they need to add four to five players. Right now, you can lock in seven players on the 53-man roster at offensive line. You gotta add another four or so to get us up to 11. At running back, said you kind of need to add one running back to get that. But it's gotta be, he's gotta be a good running back to, to back up Aaron Jones. And then at the defensive back spot, three to five players. That's a lot of players. That is right around 10 to 13 players that Green Bay needs to add. That is a lot a lot of players, and it's something to keep in mind as we go through the draft process, because sure, five such players can come through their five top 100 picks, but that still leaves, what, anywhere from five to eight remaining players that they need to find either later in the draft or through through free agency, and then they also still need to add depth to other positions, to the, I mean, they don't necessarily need to add depth to the wide receiver spot, but you wouldn't mind it, maybe to the interior defensive line spot. You definitely wouldn't mind that. The good news right now is that they're pretty set at the top of most positions. They're obviously set at the top of the quarterback spot, receiver spot, tight end spot, and then among positions that we've discussed here, they're set at the top of the edge spot. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Van Ness, great. Linebacker, you got Quay Walker. Running back, you got Aaron Jones. Cornerback, you got Jair. But, but, there's a lot of depth that they need to add at spots like offensive line, running back, linebacker, and edge. And definitely at the safety spot, you gotta add some guys. So, I will say, given all of this, as we look ahead to the upcoming draft, expect it to be less flashy. Because we've gotten a lot of fun pieces in the last few drafts. Receivers, right? Reed, Wicks, Watson, Dobbs, tight ends in Musgrave and Craft. Those guys have highlighted those classes, and it's been really fun. This class might be more of an eat-your-vegetables type of class. You have to get the, the dirty work players, the linebackers, the, the safeties, the offensive line guys. Those are less flashy positions, but they're just as important right? And so what's the big lasting message, the big takeaway from this episode? They need safeties. They need top 
tier starting caliber safeties. They need a slot cornerback. They need some general outside cornerback depth, another guy or so. They need a second string running back. They need a second linebacker alongside Quay. They need edge depth, and they need a lot of offensive line depth. Those are the big needs. And now it's up to Goody. And that's what I have for you. I will say, real quick, before I finish, I didn't mention kicker. I didn't talk about kicker. I think they'll bring in competition for Anders, but the reality is the kicker position is never going to be on this list, simply because there's only so much they're going to do to fix that spot. It'll be Anders competing with some other kickers that they bring in. And hopefully they bring in some sort of veteran to compete with Anders. But for now, it's going to be Anders and it's going to be, you know, maybe a veteran and maybe a, maybe an undrafted free agent. It's going to be those three guys competing and we'll just have to see who wins. That's about all I can say on that spot. So that's why I didn't really want to talk about kicker. But that's what I have. Those are, again, those are the needs. Just talked about the needs. Those are going to be the big things to keep in mind as we go through this draft process. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was helpful because I do think this is important, sort of setting the stage for every position that we're going to cover going forward. Yeah, that's what I have. All right. I will be back on Wednesday talking about Packers draft thresholds and strategies and patterns. That's going to be on Wednesday. The combine will begin on Tuesday. We're going to start getting measurements on Thursday. And then it's off to the races of draft season. So can't wait for that. I will be back again on Wednesday. But until next time, and as we always say, Go Pack Go! Go!